the 20th chapter of John. Early on the first day of the week, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb and saw that the stone had been removed from the tomb. So she ran and went to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one whom Jesus loved, and said to them, They have taken the Lord out of the tomb, and we do not know where they have laid him. Then Peter and the other disciples set out and went towards the tomb. The two were running together, but the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. He bent down to look in and saw the linen wrappings lying there, but he did not go in. Then Simon Peter came, following him, and went into the tomb. He saw the linen wrappings lying there and the cloth that had been on Jesus' head, not lying with the linen wrapping, but rolled up in a place by itself. Then the other disciple who reached the tomb first also went in, and he saw and believed, for as yet they did not understand the scripture that he must rise from the dead. Then the disciples returned to their homes. But Mary stood weeping outside the tomb. As she wept, she bent over to look into the tomb and she saw two angels in white sitting where the body of Jesus had been lying, one at the head and the other at the feet. They said to her, woman, why are you weeping? She said to them, They have taken away my Lord, and I do not know where they have laid him. When she had said this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there. But she did not know that it was Jesus. Jesus said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? Whom are you looking for? Supposing him to be a gardener, she said to them, to him, Sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have laid him, and I will take him away. Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned and said to him in Hebrew, Rabboni, which means teacher. Jesus said to her, Do not hold on to me, because I have not yet ascended to the Father. But go to my brothers and say to them, I am ascending to my Father and to your Father, to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene went and announced to the disciples, I have seen the Lord. And she told them, the things that he had said to her. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. God. I remember my uh, sixth grade teacher really, really well. Her name was Mrs. McLean. She was just such a great teacher. Um, she made me a, a better student. She helped me learn to be a better stu studier, studier than I was before. Uh, but uh, the one thing about Mrs. McLean, her, her classroom discipline was very stern, very strict. 
um, you, uh, you had to study and you had to work hard <laughs> in her class. And if you didn't, if you disappointed her, she had a way of looking at you with that stern sort of look and make you want to crawl underneath <laughs> the desk. <laughs> but that was okay. Uh, that was good because I, I felt that much more determined to uh, be a good student uh, in her class. Well, she announced uh, one day that we were going to, as a class, build a terrarium. Terrarium. So we were all to bring something from home to put in a terrarium. So I volunteered to bring some moss, some moss, because uh, my family we lived on uh, a mountainside, and I knew the mountain was full of moss. <laughs> so that that was a it was a Friday, so I was to come Monday morning. Uh, with my item for the terrarium. Well, had all weekend to get up on the mountain, get this moss, no problem. Sunday night about 9 o'clock, I remembered I hadn't gotten the moss. <laughs> 9 o'clock at night, and I was thinking, oh my, I had to get up really early tomorrow, get my flashlight out, and go up the mountainside and get some, some moss, because I was not going to go to school without having my donation because <laughs> Mrs. McLean <laughs> would not be too happy if I forgot to bring what I was supposed to bring. So I was sharing my woes with my dad as we were watching TV. He suddenly said, well, come with me. So I followed dad. We went down into our, our, our cellar, our cellar. Now, our cellar there was not a very pleasant place. <laughs> It was very dank, mildewy, kind of creepy feeling. I never really liked being in the cellar. But we went up through the stair, the short stairway that went from the cellar outside. And there on the walls of the cellar stairs was the perfect moss, the perfect moss for a terrarium, for a terrarium. And I was all set. <laughs> I just had to pull it off of the wall of the uh, cellar stairs, and I was, I was all, all set. You know, I had been up and down that, those cellar steps oh, hundreds of times, up and down. I never saw that moss there, <laughs> never noticed that it was uh, growing on the walls of that uh, cell, cellar step. I no doubt saw it. I, I knew, I, my, I had seen it, I knew it was there, but it didn't, it didn't impact me. I, I didn't remember that it was there. I think so much in our lives, we, we see things, but we don't really see things. We hear things, but we don't really hear things. We don't really hear or see what we see and hear. We, we, we just don't, uh, things don't make an impact. They don't uh, make a memorable impression on us. We just pass by and that's it, and we go on with our lives. Uh, Maggie Ullman in a magazine article titled Witness to Resurrection makes this statement. Life is a complex web of all that is seen and unseen that points to God's plan and nature. But our ignorance and inability to see keep most of it a mystery to us. Our ignorance and inability to see keep most of it a mystery to us. And if we're honest, it's just simply easier to gloss over the puzzling parts of life in favor of the familiar 
the easily comprehended. Mary Oliver, in her poem, Sometimes, says this, instructions for living life, pay attention, be astonished, tell about it. Instructions for living life, pay attention, be astonished, and tell about it. So often it seems we fail on all three counts. We don't really pay attention much. We're not looking for anything too astonishing. And if we do, we don't talk about much necessarily. Let's look at Mary Magdalene. Now Mary Magdalene went to the tomb that morning. She was focused on one thing and one thing only. She was focused on a dead body. She went there to see Jesus one last time. That's all that she was thinking about. That's, exact, that's, that's all she wanted from the, the morning, was to see his body there in the tomb one last time. That was her only real hope. It wasn't there. It wasn't there. So then her mind shifted a bit to who took him? Who took the body? Who stole the body? Somebody had to steal the body. And so she was very focused on that. Even after seeing the two angels in the tomb, Mary did not think of the resurrection. She didn't think of Jesus being alive. And even when Jesus spoke to her, spoke to her, what did she ask the man who she thought was the gardener? Have you taken the body? <laughs> Have you taken the body? Do you know where the body's at? Even when, when Jesus spoke to her, she was just so focused on, on death, on a dead body. It was only after Jesus said her name that she realized who he was. And he was alive. He wasn't dead. He was alive. He was risen. He was standing right there in front of her. She was seeing him with her own eyes. She, she was hearing him speak to her with her own ears. Finally, 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 her life shifted from death to life. From death to life. Because of the resurrection, the disciples became aware of a new reality, a whole whole new reality. They were transformed in amazement and they proclaimed the discovery to others. He is risen. He is risen. That was their message. That was their message. He is risen. He is risen. If their only message was all that he had taught, which he, did, he, he taught many wonderful things, but if that was their only message, so how, how different is he from Buddha or Confucius? or anybody, any, any other religious, re religious leader. No, their message was, he's risen. He's risen. Pay attention. Be astonished. Tell about it. G.K. Chesterton wrote, they, the women and the disciples, hardly realized that the world had died in the night. What they were looking at was the first day of the new creation with a new heaven and a new earth. 
and in a semblance of the gardener. God walked again in the garden, in the cool, not of the evening, but of the dawn. A new heaven, a new earth, a new creation. The old world had died in the night with the resurrection of Jesus. You see, Mary Magdalene's amazement is not surprising because she sees someone alive who she knew for sure was dead. However, there is more than just surprise at work in Mary. Her vision of reality is snapped into alignment with truth, and she responds with awe, with reverence. Pay attention. Be astonished. Tell about it. The factual truth of Christ's resurrection teaches Mary and all of us the deepest knowing of self and God possible this side of heaven. There's a new heaven. There's a new earth. We cannot expect to understand the importance and grandeur of the resurrection if we are determined only to see the world in terms of the finite and the manageable. Humility is required in the practice of astonishment. We must learn that there is a Lord. We are not the Lord. And we must learn that we need the Lord. If we, rather than Jesus, are center of and master over our lives, then nothing surprises us. Nothing surprises us. We slog through the world searching for dead bodies. And sin does not disappoint us. Our only recourse in that kind of life is to give over to the false wisdom of cynicism. The false witness of cynicism. Of knowing how all will end before we ever begin our journey. No surprises, no astonishments. In our arrogance, our arrogant so-called knowledge of life, we know, how, we know how it's gonna, gonna go. Oh, we know how it's all gonna end, right? We know, we know, we know. In our arrogance, that's our attitude. The philosopher Dietrich von Hildebrand writes, to whom will the mystery that lies in life and manifests itself in every plant reveal itself in its full splendor, but to him or to her who contemplates it reverently? Pay attention. Be astonished. Tell about it. Astonishment means marveling at the silly and the beautiful. It means embracing in love and courage what the world disposes of as weak and unlovely. It means falling at the feet of the resurrected Jesus and saying, teach me. I know so little of life and of truth. Jesus, teach me, teach me. So Jesus charges Mary to go tell his disciples what she's experienced. If we pay attention, 
And if we see the Lord, and if we are astonished by his goodness, beauty, and truth, and we tell no one, we feast at a banquet met for all, yet eat alone. We feast at a banquet meant for all, yet we eat alone because we won't tell others about it. We won't tell others about it. We eat alone. We eat alone. It's like one evangelist put it. Evangelism, proclaiming the good news, is one beggar telling another beggar where to find bread, right? One beggar telling another beggar where to find bread where to find bread. Can you imagine Mary after Jesus gave her instructions to go back to the disciples and talk with them? Can you imagine her running? Her running as fast as she never ever ran before. She takes stairs two at a time. She's out of breath. She barges into that room where the reality of death still reigns. And she looks at, around at these, her fellow disciples, the people who will tell the story she is about to tell them. She says the words all believers are charged with saying, I have seen the Lord. I have seen the Lord. With my heart, my spirit, my mind, I have been in the presence of the Lord of the resurrection the Lord of a new heaven and a new earth. By exercising faith and obedience, all may come into his presence and feast, feast, feast on peace and joy for eternity. Hey, hey, pay attention. Be astonished. Tell others about it. Amen? Amen.